my privilege didn't improve my well-being until I demystified shame. Getting discomfortable with privilege. The idea of privilege, as you probably already know, is this controversial concept that we are born with certain advantages based on our skin color, based on our nationality, our culture, etc., etc. The idea is that the more you naturally fit with the dominant culture of the world, the more easy it is for you to succeed, thrive, and survive within the world. And the further you get away from fitting in to that dominant monoculture, the more difficult it is to live, thrive, and survive. And the more oppression, marginalization, discrimination, and roadblocks you will experience in your life. And I think there's absolutely a lot of truth to this. We know from statistics that generally speaking, people who are white and straight and male have traditionally had a lot more access to things like money, success, stability, representation, all all of the markers that we think lead to well-being. The most damning evidence for privilege is that we can see statistically that people who are black and people who are indigenous are literally more vulnerable than everyone else. They are more likely to die younger and to die violently. So I think it's true, and I think it's important to be aware that statistically, I have certain privileges based on where I was born, who I am, and what I look like. But it's also important to remember that those privileges don't guarantee me well-being in the same way that a lack of those privileges don't guarantee that someone can't find well-being. As I've discussed in other episodes, being gay, but also white, allows me to kind of see a bit of both sides of this issue. On the one hand, I can understand the privilege that straight people have, the the way that straight boys can grow up just feeling like their sex drive, their attractions are all perfectly natural and encouraged by society. Like, what an incredible ease that must give your life. But at the same time, I can see that being gay is its own kind of privilege because, at least in my case, it created an incredible resilience, strength, and it gave me a perspective on the world that I so highly value because it helped me see things differently. It helped me step outside of monoculture and step outside of shame such that I could see a reality that other people didn't notice because they fit so well into that monoculture. It takes people on the outside to see how a culture is limited, to see how a culture needs to grow. And that is its own kind of privilege, though a a volatile privilege, an uncomfortable privilege at times, even dangerous. But to me, it's a privilege nonetheless. 
That is to say, I wouldn't want to change being gay now that I know what I know. When I was a child, I absolutely would have given everything to just be straight. But now that I've worked through the discomfort of being gay, I have found incredible strength on the other side, an incredible insight, and I wouldn't change that for the world. I was a bit traumatized in the process, there's no question. And it impacted me in in ways that made me just naturally conditioned to be high shame, to be insecure, to have various issues. But I, I still, I wouldn't change any of that because being gay led me directly to having a shame breakthrough, which was the best thing that ever happened to me in a lot of ways. It, it really was like my greatest achievement in my life so far. And I wouldn't want to not have experienced that. It's such an incredible gift to be able to see outside of shame, even though I still experience so much shame, which is uncomfortable. The most difficult thing that happened to me led directly to the best thing that ever happened to me. Proving the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Which brings up a scary point. There is a possibility that the marginalization of being gay could have killed me. I remember thinking at age 12 or 13, I would rather die than be gay. And I am lucky that through whatever series of events, my ego buried and repressed that truth so deep in my psyche, so deep in my unconscious, that I literally just didn't believe it for the next 10 years. Other people have not been so fortunate. Gay, queer, questioning, and trans youth attempt and succeed at suicide on a much statistically higher level than almost any other group, which is terrifying and devastating. But if you survive that trial by fire, if you learn to accept your sexuality, on the other side lies incredible strength. It could be argued, in fact, that the only reason I didn't die by suicide is because I was privileged to grow up in a stable and loving family, or to grow up in a country, Canada, that was relatively advanced in the gay rights movement, one of the first countries to legalize same-sex marriage. Both of those things are also true. But where privilege starts to get problematic for me is that though statistically privilege gives people a better chance at thriving, succeeding, making money, etc., it doesn't actually create well-being per se. Even after I accepted my sexuality in my mid-20s, I spent 10 years being generally (laughs) depressive, nihilistic, and not particularly happy, despite the fact that my life was full of privilege. I was Canadian. I had free health care. I was white. I was male. I came from a stable, loving, middle-class family. I had everything in the world going for me, aside from the little hiccup with my sexuality. But what is that privilege really worth If I'm not appreciating it, if I'm not enjoying it, if I'm not grateful for it. And being aware of my privilege was not a path to making me grateful for it. Quite the opposite. 
The way that we talk about privilege in today's culture is shaming. It's not attempting or succeeding at making people appreciate their privilege or be grateful for it or enjoy it. Quite the opposite. And of course, the intention behind guilting and shaming people over their privilege is the hope that they will change their lives and change the system and change the culture such that that privilege gets equalized. But I don't think that's what happens at all. As I've said many times in the past, shame is not a helpful motivator for positive change. Shame is like an additional emotional burden that makes people stupider, that makes people less logical. It actually shuts down the prefrontal cortex, the logical, rational center of the brain, and it leaves you operating from your limbic system, which is literally the brain of a caveman. In fact, even more, even more ancient than that, even lizards share the same basic fight-or-flight reflexes that we have in our limbic system. That's why they call it the lizard brain. Shame takes us down to our lizard brain and puts our lizard brain in charge. It actually shuts off the more recent, more evolved centers of the brain, like the prefrontal cortex, in order to conserve energy and ensure swift action. So actually, I think shaming people about anything in this case, privilege, is not going to lead to logical, reasonable change. It's just going to give people one more thing to be unhappy about. And that's the problem. People are hesitant to really even acknowledge privilege when they're already struggling so hard to enjoy their so-called privileged lives. That was my position. I had everything, basically. I had pretty much accepted my sexuality. I mean, I was out of the closet. I was open about it. But I wasn't truly happy. And it wasn't until I had my shame breakthrough. It wasn't until I saw the ways that shame was controlling me and controlling my vision of the world that I actually learned to appreciate what I really had. My privilege didn't improve my well-being until I demystified shame. So I can see why people who have a lot of privilege, statistically, are hesitant to really acknowledge it and try to atone for it because they are struggling to even enjoy that privilege at all, to enjoy this supposedly better life than other people have. I get that. I relate to that. And I can see why shaming people for the privilege that they're not even enjoying is counterproductive on multiple levels. That's why I feel called to talk about shame all the time and to do this podcast, because I want to help other people have the relief, the breakthrough, the lifting of the weight of shame that I had such that they can enjoy their lives. Because once I actually started to enjoy my life, then I started to appreciate just how privileged I was. And I started to appreciate for the first time really deeply how I longed for everyone to share in that same kind of privilege. I saw that my well-being was innately tied up with the well-being of everyone, and therefore I longed for all of us to have as much well-being as we possibly can. And that isn't happening in our current system.
Marshall Rosenberg, who created nonviolent communication, which I've talked about in past episodes, has a famous quote, which I'm going to paraphrase and probably botch, but I'll give you the gist of it. Marshall was saying that he can give people the tools to understand their emotions and their needs such that they are finally able to enjoy their life. They're able to take care of their needs by understanding their feelings and learn to connect with other people in a way that is going to make them happy. But, Marshall said, if he doesn't then teach them how to go out into the world and share that knowledge and make other people happy and change the systems around them that are oppressing people in the first place, change the culture and change the language such that everyone is free to experience this same kind of emancipation, this same kind of happiness. If he doesn't give them that knowledge, then he has only done half of the job. This botched and paraphrased quote resonates with me because I think on my journey, I am just starting to understand the second half of the job that Marshall is talking about. When I overcame shame, it allowed me to figure out over several years of travel how I could accept and love myself and accept and love my life. It basically was an opening that allowed me to finally get in touch with happiness and joy and well-being and to just understand the world in such a way that I was able to take care of my own needs. And now that I feel like I'm actually starting to do that, I am starting to see beyond myself. You know, this shame breakthrough and this focus on finding well-being is very self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about overcoming my shame and and my unhappiness and my suffering and, and my conditioning and my misguided views of life that are stopping me from being fully alive. And I'm finally getting to a place where I can look past just me because I've kind of figured enough, not all, but enough of me out to start to say, well, hey, how's everybody else doing out there? Is everybody else on this journey of figuring out how to enjoy life? And the answer is no. And I'm finally in a position to look at myself and realize that having all of this privilege and having the privilege to learn to appreciate the privilege that I have puts me in a unique position where there's basically an imperative for me to devote as much time as I can to trying to create a world where everybody is able to both appreciate the privilege they have and acquire equal privilege to everyone else. By having had the ability to do this work, which is probably enforced by the fact that I have the money and the support of my family, and the fact that I don't have kids is probably another big privilege, to actually put the time and energy into figuring this stuff out because I have those privileges. I am in a unique position to try to help others, to try to teach people how to do what I've done, to teach people who are privileged how to actually enjoy their life such that once they've figured that out, they can move beyond just worrying about themselves and start trying to help other people as well. 
And at the same time, I can try to work directly on the systems that are oppressing other people, that are giving us privilege and taking from others, such that we are able to create more equality. For me, that's going to almost certainly be about shame. I think that educating people about shame is in itself a powerful way to change our culture of hierarchy and dominance, and therefore change the hierarchical and oppressive systems that feed into and grow out of that culture. I know that it may not be the most direct path to systemic change, but it's the knowledge that I have to give. It, it, it's the best way that I can see for me to support that kind of change because it's the thing that I am the most passionate and driven to do. It is my sense of meaning and purpose. And somebody has to do it, and not very many people are. We know that shame naturally sparks our fight or flight or freeze or please reflex. So it makes sense that when people are burdened by cultural shame, they are spending all of their energy worrying about themselves and their own survival. That's why demystifying shame and understanding it was so powerful for me, because it took me out of my fight-or-flight reflex, and it allowed me to contextualize shame such that it wasn't this terrifying, all-encompassing force that I had to wrestle with constantly. Before my breakthrough, I was putting so much energy into trying to be important, into trying to get respect, into trying to meet my needs for dignity and power and control, because shame made me feel like there really was this life or death need for me to do all those things or I just would not be a human that was valuable, that was worthy of love, that I was a human who was going to be rejected, who was going to die alone. But now that I see through that whole system of messaging, I'm able to not only relax and enjoy my life more and make a lot more purposeful, value-driven decisions about who I want to be and what I want to pursue, but it gives me the space to worry about other people as well. It gives me the space to worry about the systems that I am living in and that I am benefiting from and that I am reinforcing. It gives me the space to want to actually help other people. It gives me more of what Alfred Adler calls social feeling, which is just basically a genuine interest in helping other people. Not just specific other people like your friends and family, but a a genuine interest in helping all other people, in contributing to society. And Alfred Adler says that the enemy of social feeling is this drive for superiority. And I think that the key to the drive to superiority is shame. So if you can help people overcome shame, you can help them understand their natural innate drive for superiority and realize that it's not really accomplishing the things they think it's accomplishing. It's not really necessary. And once they realize that, there's just this natural opening that happens where you start to care 
about your society. You start to understand how we as social animals are all interconnected and how empathy and connection and love and belonging and acceptance and validation is this this big kind of interconnected, interdependent web. And you need to nurture everyone else in order to nurture yourself and nurture yourself in order to nurture everyone else. So you just really start to appreciate that the well-being of everyone is connected and that your well-being will always suffer if you don't try to help others, if you don't try to lift others up and empower them as well. And with shame, that's all you do, is try to lift yourself up and empower yourself and your own people, because you think you need to, to stay alive, to be valuable, to be lovable. And when you get on the other side of shame, you realize that in order to be valuable and lovable and happy, you need to make sure that everyone feels valuable and lovable and happy. So you need to lift everyone up. That is what happens when you get out of shame. So talking to people about their privilege, while real and while useful, is not going to be productive if we do it in a shaming way. As usual, I think we have to approach it in an empathetic way. I think we have to start from a place that acknowledges that everyone has some privilege. So instead of telling someone, hey, you have more privilege than me, It is a much more empathetic approach to mirror for them the process of uncovering our own privilege. I can go up to someone and talk about how I realized that I have more privilege than other people. So instead of accusing them of having privilege, I accuse myself of having privilege. And since everybody has privilege, we all have some privilege that we can unearth and we can mirror for people. We can show them how we are able to acknowledge our privilege and see how there are other people in the world who don't have the same privilege as us and how we have a longing to try to lift those people up so that we are equal with them. And by enacting that for people, they will naturally see their own privilege in a way that feels empathetic and safe. Whereas accusing them is naturally going to create shame. It's going to shut off their brain. It's going to make them defensive. They're going to react with their threat response, which isn't going to change anything. In fact, it's going to make things worse. And I also think it's so important to remember that just being aware of privilege isn't enough. Shame needs to be dealt with in order for us to make the kind of positive changes that we want in the world. It is the baseline from which people can move out of self-centeredness and into social feeling, into genuinely caring and wanting to help others, into understanding that we are all interconnected and that their well-being, even just on the most selfish level, is intertwined with everyone else's. Looking out for number one doesn't really work when you're a social animal because the well-being of numbers two through eight billion is going to negatively impact you if they are suffering, if they are dying, if they are not considered equal. So we all have something to gain from helping others, but we will not see that. We will not believe that until people understand their shame. 